Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing on this fine day? Hola, I'm doing all right, yeah, just uh, hanging out. Um, I've just got out of the shower and I am wearing just a hoodie. Just get out of the shower. It's the morning time for me, isn't it? It's the evening for you. you. You know, you're a busy boy. I'm a busy boy. got things to do, people to see, yeah? Busy boys Showers all round. To do. Busy yeah. boys. Mm. I'm sad. I'm sad, Pete. Do you oh, know why I'm sad? sad? Why are you sad? <laughs> I think I'm sad. <laughs> because you're not here <laughs> for Halloween. It's Halloween coming up, right, next oh, week. And nuts. And nearly every other year, you do come over and get stuck mm. into the festivities in Shibuya and the madness. Um, what are you going to do this year for Halloween? How are you going to celebrate? Well, I mean, uh, we're in a, a tier two lockdown, so probably okay. very little, to be quite frank. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be very, my movements around Halloween are going to be very limited, unfortunately. Ah, going to get a pumpkin and Got just it. sit next to a pumpkin on the chair? <sighs> just sit get next drunk. to a pumpkin. Yeah, drunk just drink, pumpkin. Have, have a bit of booze with a pumpkin. Drink booze out of a pumpkin. That's oh. all I've got planned. In the that, garden. That, to be fair, that sounds more fun than walking around Shibuya at night, getting caught up in a crowd of people. To be honest, I uh, <laughs> I've done. I did the Halloween in uh, Tokyo only once of all, only once, believe it or not, and uh, mm. it was good. It was good. Um, I don't know if I'll do it again. I think my party days are behind me. I am thirty, but as you always joke, I'm a forty-nine year old man. Top and gear. <laughs> I'm top gear. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think my, my fun days are behind me, but I don't think they're actually doing much for Halloween this year. What I do know is, do you remember, I think it was last year or the year before that some foreigners and some Japanese people, I think the foreigners took the heat too badly, uh, tipped over a lorry or something ridiculous. They Mm. just knocked over a car or a lorry. And then the police were like, right, no more fun, no more alcohol, no more fun. And kind of ruined Halloween in Tokyo. Um, mm. Is that what happened? Is that am I am I making that it up? It was it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, they 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 knocked over a, they knocked over a van, a small van, at that. Oh, that's right, still then. a van nonetheless. But yeah, it was a bit uh, yeah, it was a bit rough on it. Just people being stupid, poor van. stupid idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. But they had they had a big old crackdown, and we'll um, we'll get on to the Japanese police later on because that's coming up. Uh, in terms of some interesting news, um, before that though. I'm also in a good mood, so I'm sad that you're not here, but I'm also 
on the on the flip side, rather happy because this week we launched the series, or rather the trailer for the series for Journey Across Japan Two: Escape to Mount Fuji. Now I gave you a week in advance sneak peek at the trailer. What were your thoughts on the series? What did you What did you see in there, Pete? Um, it was beautifully cut together. I uh, very much like the fact that Natsuki is wearing spectacles um, throughout, so it looks like uh, it looks like he's the um, he's the um, cinematic director of the whole experience, which is very enjoyable. <laughs> Natsuki, he's he looks good. He looks at least thrice as impressive, doesn't he? When he's wearing glasses, he looks mm. smart. He looks humbled. almost he looks almost sentient. Sentient. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Almost. There's, there's I... a spark of intelligence there. <laughs> oh, poor old Natsuki. It, it oh, makes Natsuki. him look younger, I think. I think the glasses mm, make him yeah, look younger. Yeah, I agree. Massively. Yeah. Completely agree. But um, we kind of went for a horror vibe with the trailer. I say we. I did cut the damn thing. Um, a lot of the, the first few days of the trip when we were joined by Natsuki, we did go to some really quite eerie and unpleasant places, like the abandoned love hotel, the forgotten 800 statues in a field in a forest in Toyama, the like forgotten quarry as well. So it was all kind of really unpleasant and scary the first two days of the trip. And so I turned that, kind of channeled that into the trailer. Did you get to see the, did you catch sight of the um, the abandoned love hotel in the trailer? Yes, it was very spooky. I don't like that. There was a weird serving hatches in every room, which scared me. <laughs> if you'd have told me that you were inside the Japanese pyramid that you discovered, um, I would oh, have yeah. been surprised, quite frankly. It looked like a, a deserted um, home of a pharaoh. <laughs> deserted Ooh. home of the pharaoh. There was, a, there was a gigantic bed in the shape of a heart with a broken TV on it and a drawing of a woman who is pregnant, which has been ripped in half and covered in red crayons. It was mental. Chilling. Absolutely chilling. chilling. (laughs) Uh, And uh, that is the new series coming out. uh, We start, I think, on 29th of October. So keep an eye out, folks. It's going to be out, and the trailer will be out in a few days before then. It should be out uh, several days after this podcast. We now turn our attention to the story of the week. Uh, We have got a story from Pete. Pete from Canada. Is that a good name, Pete? Uh, Hi, Chris and Pete. My, (laughs) My wife and I have been watching the channel and listening to the podcast for years to help us plan our own trips to Japan. Um, on our honeymoon last year, we found this flyer for a local bakery in Takayama in our Airbnb. We thought you'd enjoy the description of the bread. Um, also, while listening to you talking about your new journey across Japan, Escape to Mount Fuji series, I realized you missed a golden opportunity to call the series Crisscrossing Japan. Keep up the great work with all your content, uh, Pete from Canada, Crisscrossing Japan. I remember he's got you there. when... Um, which is it a good name? What do you reckon? <laughs> I like it. I really like it. And I know you have to keep up the um <clears throat> keep up the journey across Japan sort of style guide, but I do like the <laughs> I do like that title very much. I remember when we were coming up with the branding or the name for Journey Across Japan, which I think I think I came up with the name for that. I think I'm gonna take credit for that. Mm. I was talking over with Chris Okino, um, who was a big part of the project back when we did t- the original one two years ago. And he I think he wanted to call it a broad on a bike, and I was like, No. That's that's not happening. <laughs> it's got prawns on a bloody bike. That anyway, works. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't. We got this. Uh, so this is the this is the the leaflet for the bread, the bakery in Takayama, beautiful town, which we passed through on journey across Japan this season. Uh, welcome, please. The delicious bread for breakfast. We have prepared the most delicious bread to your breakfast in Takayama. This bread is healthy bread using the olive oil by the allergic correspondence that removed an egg, milk, more. 
The, oh God, the bread of this shop has splendid feelings. Wow, <laughs> the bread can feel. Uh, using the domestic wheat baked in a full-fledged firewood kiln, the baguette trained itself in France. <laughs> the baguette trained itself in France. Please, oh. a safe and delicious bread. Peace of mind. Boulangerie Noboria, delicious bread. Wow, that was. There's a lot to it's unpack adorable. there. I enjoy the fact that the bread trained itself in in France. It's very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> this, this image of a baguette trading itself in France. Um, it's beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah. I, I am sad. I, I, yeah, we passed through Takayama on the third day um, of journey across Japan, escaped to Fuji. I am gutted that I did not see this bakery because it seems like a rather the bread looks nice. The photo of the baguette looks looks good. Given it's yeah. baked itself, rather <laughs> edible. Um, <laughs> Done very well. Um, now this week on Twitter, there's been a funny video doing the rounds, which I retweeted just before this podcast, and uh, it involved some um, Japanese police trying to break into an ultra left wing political organisation. Have you seen this video, Pete? Have you unpacked it? Have you witnessed it? I have indeed. <clears throat> I have indeed. It is insanely uh, good. Um, <laughs> they're trying to get the, the police have been called to break into uh, a building of, as you said, a, a left wing um, uh, organization, political organization. And <laughs> they've turned up. And instead of like a, um, like a really hot, like welding torch to get in or whatever, you know, those torches that you can cut yeah, through, yeah, like blow torch. really thick steel blow torch or things. Um, they've um, turned up, they've rocked up with what can only be described as a circular saw. Um, and this, uh, this, this, uh, this policeman or policewoman is, is, is trying to get in with this circular saw. And honestly, it, it's not doing anything. It's like literally just taking the paint off the, off the, off the, uh, off the door. Uh, and then about halfway through the, um, the attack in this door with this crappy circular saw, um, like just three blocks from said organization, just open a door next door and go, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> just, just walk through the door. <laughs> you idiots. It's all rather bizarre. When, um, when there's a crime in Japan, what you tend to find, what you find tends to happen is, uh, the police swarm the location or the person or whatever. In this case, a hundred police officers, right? And as you said, they're just standing there watching the circular saw attempt to cut down this large metal door. Not working. But just the way the the guys inside just casually open the side door, which is right next to the gigantic door they're trying to cut into. And the way they come out, hand in pockets, like, what are you doing? And he actually sort of nudges the police officer. And he's like, well, get away, what are you doing? But even better is when the police do finally break in, uh, they go in an orderly queue and they check their temperatures one by one before they go into the building, right? Brilliant. No virus. <laughs> it looks all very organised, but also a little bit Keystone Cops just did not being able to get their shit together. It's well worth a watch. Get it retweeted, Chris. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, it reminds me of my first time in Osaka. When I was in Osaka, I um, I was just walking down the street and I saw a guy, just a lone guy, who was having an altercation with no less than 20 police officers. They created like a semicircle mm. around him. <laughs> And I, I don't really know. I don't know the science behind this tactic or the strategy. Um, I don't know if any of you guys listening know about this or can shed some light on why they do it. But it seems when there's an incident in Japan, they just keep calling cop cars. They just bring the whole police force. Like half of Osaka Police Department was trying to put like stop this one man, and he was being relatively calm, just standing there shouting a little bit, surrounded by twenty officers. I don't get it. And um, you know the Japanese police. It's it's all rather bizarre. Like uh, my three 
run-ins with the police have all been rather tame. I got a speeding ticket when I was with you, uh, and they apologised for pulling me over, even though I was technically speeding by a few kilometres per hour. I'll admit, I was guilty as charged. Pete Donaldson did it. I was trying to get Pete Donaldson to his train, mm. so he, he takes Damn the right. blame there. And uh, another time was the police at my front door when he opened the door and said, I am Japanese policeman, in English, to welcome me to my neighbourhood. And the third time, I didn't even see them, they came and measured my car parking space uh, mm. back in April when I bought a car because, of course, when you get a car in Japan, you have to prove that your apartment's car parking space not only exists but is big enough for your car. And they turned up and measured it. Um, but no, I have got quite a lot of friends who do get stopped in Tokyo, though. And always remember, if you are a tourist in Japan, you do need your passport on you at all times. And in fact, even me, I even myself living here, I need to have some form of ID on me, uh, my residence visa card uh, as well. Otherwise, they can fine you, I think, $2,000 on the spot, 200,000 yen. So be advised, don't walk around Japan without ID. It might not end so well. But that being said, mm. those three run-ins with the police have all been rather pleasant. Um, they apologised, even though I was breaking the rules. They welcomed me to the neighbourhood. And they've been quite nice about it. And I've never been ID'd in all the years that I've lived here, probably because I do live in the countryside. I suspect that's a big part of it. I don't think you've, had, you've ever had any run-ins yourself, have you, Pete? You've been all right. Yeah, I've had a couple. Well, one, there was a, a bit of a fight, a bit of a scuffle in the bar that I was in, and um, really? they um, were taking out a, a, a white guy, um, and um, they white thought guy, we were bro. connected. But I managed to I managed to chigai mass and... EA Tomodachi, my my way out of that one. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, that's and, your, your go-to um, word so in every situation. That's my go-to word. Out. Everything Chikai is Mas. a mistake, Chigaimas. Everything's a mistake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was there was that. And then there was also, um, uh, I, I think we were in Rapongi, which is obviously a place where a lot of people go and get pissed. Um, mm. they were, they, we got a shakedown from the police, the most polite shakedown ever. It was so polite, you almost didn't fa- didn't mind your human rights being violated. Just you know, you know, you have uh, you have drugs in Japan. Uh, basically saying um, if you think if basically if you have j- drugs that you have brought over. Um, it is uh, it is not good uh, to take them because it, it just basically said if you take drugs in your own country, just remember that taking drugs in Japan is not legal. Um, I did actually have a couple of um, stomach tablets in my pocket, so I had to explain <gasps> them away. <laughs> but they, I don't. They look for? Did they look for ID? They may look for ID, but I think we all had ID on us because we all we've all got provisional driving license because we're all just cool dudes not being able to drive, but we use provisional <laughs> driving licenses ID. So there is that. I, I don't feel comfortable taking my passport out with me, um, so I always carry my uh, mm. like my um, provisional driving license. So that's that's <laughs> one thing you can do. I think. I think that still counts as IDs, isn't it? I think so. I just love the idea of these battle-hardened white lads from the UK coming over here with their provisional driver's license and being like, no, no, not drugs, stomach tablets. <laughs> Brilliant. I've got a tom-tom. I, I ate too much candy. I ate too much um, uh, cans of soup, too many cans of oh, uh, corn soup. You know, it's horrible corn soup. <laughs> Disgusting. I, it is yeah. Rapongi though. Like, whenever you hear people getting stopped, it is Rapongi, and that's typically yeah. the place where bad things happen um, in, in Tokyo. They're in Shinjuku. So if you're going to get stopped anywhere in Tokyo, it probably is going to be Rapongi at some point or another. Um, and just to go back to Pete's amazing words, uh, what is the word Chigaimas, Pete, for those that don't know? This this Swiss army means... knife word that you use in every mistake. sentence when you're over here. <laughs> mistake i believe it means mistake yeah it kind of means like different or mistake right 
So it's kind mm. of misunderstanding. Like, oh, chigaimasu. No, it's different. It's not that. And in fact, uh, we've talked about how people don't say no in Japan, right? Yeah. You know, mm. people wouldn't say that. They might just say chigaimasu, right? So you kind of got it wrong, right? Is this the case? You'd be like, no, chigaimasu. It's different. It's different. It's more polite than right, saying no. Okay. But, I see. Yeah. It's a useful word to have and get you out of many mm. a sticky situation. Now, we love fax machines here on the Abroad in Japan podcast. We do have the fax machine every week, but uh, it looks like the future could be nigh for the beloved fax machine. Uh, interestingly, though, while sales of fax machines have declined in the US, they grew nearly 6% in Japan last year. And apparently a third of all households in Japan still own a fax machine. Nevertheless, uh, the old, good old uh, new Prime Minister Suga, I always read his name as Sugar in my head. It's literally S-U-G-A, yes. Suga, Yoshihide Suga. I always read it as Sugar. I just like the idea the Prime Minister is Sugar, but he's not, it's Suga. Uh, he is trying to get rid of all these kind of outdated forms of technology, including the much-hated Hankor stamp personal seal, which I used no less than six times today to stamp a document. Um, I hate Hankor stamps. Because I stamped a document, uh, the first three stamps went well. The fourth stamp, uh, it was kind of a half-hearted stamp, right? Like only half of my uh, Hanko seal signature came off and it didn't look right. And then I had to flip over the paper to stamp the other side of it. I did it and it's just smudged all the bloody stamping on the first side. So I was so angry. So I bloody Hanko stamps. This podcast. Can you double been... Hanko? <laughs> I think you can, but like... The first year when I lived here and I used Hanko stamps, I had to do my car insurance and I stamped it, sent it off, and they sent it back all the way to me like two weeks later because they said my stamp wasn't good enough. They said I needed to do it again. And they sent a guy from the insurance company to watch over me as I re-stamped it to make sure I didn't do it wrong. Ridiculous. It was your Hanko. Yeah, it was your... <laughs> that's crazy. I read that um, apparently um, some Japanese people have to, if they're going to do their CV, they have to do it um, written themselves, like they have to write it themselves. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. What do you mean? To, to, prove, like a... to, prove that you're, to prove that you are of good um, breeding uh, and that, you're, um, that your writing is, is, is legible and good enough. Because you could have like some wrong uh, who can write really well and some right who can't write very well due to a disability or something, I don't know. Kind of mm, makes sense. Interesting. But, I mean, this is really outdated technology, I think, and um, they're trying to get rid of it. But there's a strong lobby against it. And there was a study by the Japan Research Institute that found 55,000 administrative procedures uh, with the central government. Uh, Only 4,000 of them, about 7.5%, could be completed entirely online. And 15,000 of them do require a Hanko stamp. Um, And that is a lot of procedures that require a Hanko stamp. So the idea they're going to phase it out magically overnight seems like wishful thinking to me. And not only that, but there's a, you know, there's a big lobby, the Hanko stamp lobby as well, who are kind of sort of saying, you can't get rid of these. We need the Hankos. We need the stamps. So yeah. it's all rather ridiculous. And, you know, I get the idea, I get the point of holding on to tradition, onto tradition, and Japan is very conservative with its traditions. And I think that is a strong point of the country. It's held onto its culture. It's been westernized heavily, but there's still really strong culture in Japan. But I don't think that should come at the expense of, practicality i don't think you know i think you need to also have one eye to the future and move forward and mm. hanko stamps and fax machines go hand in hand right because you need to hanko stamp the document then stick it in the fax machine and uh i don't know i feel like it all needs to be gotten rid of 
Sorry, Hanko Stamp Lobby. <laughs> Sorry, Hanko Stamp. Yeah, I, I think I, I just worry that if we get rid of the Hanko, if, if, if the Japanese get rid of the Hanko Stamp, you'll get rid of the um, culture of going to a tourist trap and having the opportunity to stamp um, your bit of paper because that's, that's really popular uh, in, uh, in Japan where you're in a situation where say you're at rabbit island or whatever uh and at the ferry terminus it will have a um a little kind of um a little wet red ink pad and a little stamp and you will stamp a bit of paper that you know if you've been and you can collect these stamps as you go around japan and i think that's rather adorable i'm scared we might lose that stamping culture if we get rid of the hanko i i love the way you picked rabbit island ferry terminal you plucked that out of your memory yeah have you you been to the ferry terminal i remember I've been at the ferry terminal at Rabbit Island. Oh, the thing that gets me is like, you, you know, the Japanese sort of said something like, um, you know, only 4,000, 6,000 forms can be filled in online. Like Japan has got the, one of the best um, internet infra- infrastructures in the world. Quickest, mm. um, the most pervasive mobile phone uh, connectivity everywhere as well. Um, it's incredible, like an incredible uh, infrastructure. But their websites are awful, <laughs> absolutely dreadful. They look like they were made in the 80s. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's really bizarre how Japan has got one hand kind of in the future, but one hand, mm. one, like one leg in the future, sorry, one leg going backwards. It's, it is a bizarre culture. And I guess that's another thing we talked about um, kind of TV shows in Japan last week, right? And how they always start Shibuya Crossing. The TV personality wanders over and is confused. Another thing they always say is it's a really futuristic country, but it has a but it's also juxtaposing that it's also very traditional and backwards. And that is an accurate, I think that's an accurate summary, to be honest. I do think Japan is very futuristic and it's great with things like infrastructure and internet and phones, but they get things like software, they get websites wrong. They get Hanko stamps, mainly just Hanko stamps. Just God, I hate them. Ah, oh, I just, I should just make a video dedicated to it. Just 20 minutes of me swearing, throwing Hanko stamps out a window. Perfect. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Join me, Melissa Reddy, and listen to my brand new podcast, Between the Lines. I'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating, behind-the-scenes stories fans want to hear. From major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to Amazon. Only we watched with Jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club. And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself. And I did. I kind of lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. Speaking of fax machines being banned, we now turn our attention to the fax machine. What do we got in there this week, Mr. Donaldson? What we got? Torturous. Absolutely torturous. Uh, Dan says, all right, boys, my name is Dan. I'm from Brighton in the UK. I finally did it. Since being told to work from home back in March and discovering the podcast, I've finally subscribed to the YouTube channel for a few years now. I've made it a personal mission to listen to every single episode, and I've finally achieved that goal, so thanks for keeping me company during these last few months of home working. It's been interesting to hear you talk of times when COVID was not ravaging the world and discussing the 2020 Olympics, etc., knowing what was to come. I've got two questions for you, though. One is, do you think it's going to be possible or worthwhile to visit Japan in 2021? I'm desperate to go, but uh, would be reluctant to have anything less than a full experience if COVID will impact this. Japan's situation seems to be a lot better than the UK, who seem to be positively fucked. Uh, so I wonder if UK tourists will be even able to visit the country. My other question is, when I do finally get to Japan, um, are there plenty of affordable meat meal options for uh, those who uh, don't eat uh, much seafood? I'm teased by my mates for having a somewhat bland palate, but I was convinced to try sushi on a recent trip to Krakow. Um, I'll be honest, I thought it was horrid, so I'm hoping there are plenty of other meat, noodle, rice-based dishes to get my hands on. Apologies if this is a bit uh, lengthy. Keep the good work, gents. Dan. So, yeah, is it is it going to be possible to visit Japan in 2021 for us Brits, Chris, do you reckon? <laughs> well, we did um, we did discuss it, didn't we, a few weeks back. It looks like... <coughs> I've got a cough now. <coughs> it's COVID. Yeah. God, it's either that or oh, I've, I've, the, the coffee oh, went down the wrong way. Okay, I'll let you decide. Um, no, they are looking to open the doors to Japan in April uh, next year. That's what we know right now. Um, they're hoping to have all the systems in place by January to, to kind of allow people to come in and out, um, have all the testing in place. At the moment, people coming to Japan, um, the only people that can come are people with visas, Japanese nationals, and I think you have to quarantine at a hotel for two weeks or something ridiculous. So, um, But yeah, April next year, things are looking up. So fingers crossed. And that is when things are going to get good again, hopefully. Um, 
As for food um, in Japan that's cheap, that isn't seafood, we talked about this and sakia. Sakia is always a good one, isn't it? Gyudon bowl with a, a mm. bowl of rice with some beef on top. That's, I think, about 400 yen, about $4. Um, ramen is often about 600, uh, 600 yen for a good hearty bowl of ramen. Um, or go to where else Hell. is there? Go to hell. Uh, <laughs> I love the way Dan... get a burger or something. There's Dan, plenty of opp- opportunities to eat chicken wings and stuff, isn't there? Yeah, we've always got Moss Burger. Moss Burger's all right. Mm. Got some interesting teriyaki flavour. I love the way Dan brought up sushi in Krakow as not being good. I don't think... Krakow, I'm sure it's a beautiful city. I'm sure Pete Donaldson's yeah, been is. at some point. I've been. But I don't think they're well known for their sushi. In the same way that even London, I think it's hard to get good sushi in London. You've got to... Don't judge sushi if you've eaten outside Japan. Come to Japan, go to Sushi Zanmai, my favourite chain, sushi restaurant chain. Then judge it, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it a lot more. You've got, to, I think you'll like it. You, you you like sushi, right, Pete? I know I've taken you a few times, but I'm not sure if you've truly embraced it yet. Do you do you like sushi? Yeah, I like sushi. It's it's uh, it's all very easy to eat. And uh, to be honest, if you don't like sushi, just absolutely leather it with wasabi and uh, soy sauce. <laughs> oh, trench <laughs> it. <laughs> Drench it. Um, my advice: go to uh, Torikizoku. Torikizoku. It's a yakitori chain. It can be found at every turn in Tokyo. I go there for cheap drinks and dinner once <laughs> once every couple of weeks, and I love it. Torikizoku. Go there, you'll love it. Uh, Christina says, "Hello, Chris and Pete. Uh, mighty and powerful gods. Wow, I'll take that. That's that's better <laughs> wow. than the usual titles. Um, greetings from Canada. I love listening to the podcast. Um, keeps me dreaming." of my next adventures out in the world. I'm currently planning my second trip to Japan, and I was looking to get some input from you guys, as well as share a funny story to go with it. My first time to come to Japan was with my mum. No tour guide or groups, with only a little bit of Japanese that I picked up from working around Japanese tourists and anime. Uh, We stayed at whatever hotels that were cheap that I could find on Trivago, in walking distance to our destinations and with a private washroom. I booked us an Airbnb for our first time in Hiroshima, and it was a very nice little motel about two kilometres away from the train station. We got to the station around 7pm, and since it was still light out and it was nice weather, we decided to walk with our bags instead of take a bus or taxi. And of course, halfway through, it started to downpour. When we arrived, I walked into the lobby, drenched, and tried to communicate to the host that I booked a room and needed a key while showing her the Airbnb message on my phone that she wrote earlier. She stood up and ran to the door, pointing to my mum outside while saying, Casa, Casa. I thought she was I thought she was asking if that was my mum, so I responded, Hi, Okasan. Uh, yes, it's my mother. She chuckled and shook her head, grabbed an umbrella, and ran out to give it to my mum. That was the day I learned the Japanese word for umbrella. Uh, is kasa correct that's a good word to know that kasa umbrella it is yeah um, you'll need it you'll need it especially if you come in july like p did or june um our host was really kind and i hope they're doing well and staying afloat during the pandemic now for my next trip i'm planning on going with my partner and i'd like to book some really neat and interesting accommodations obviously a traditional japanese inn uh, Nyokan, is on the list but this one this place called book and bed caught my attention have either of you been um, what unique and interesting accommodations would you guys recommend staying in and what are the odds they'll still be in business after travel is permitted again? Many thanks for your help and all the great stories, Christina. Um, book and bed. Have you seen book and bed, book and Pete? Bed. Book and bed. Yeah, book and a bed. 
No. What is it? <laughs> I've never heard of bucket bed in my life. That's so weird. <laughs> it's a it's kind of like a hostel where I think it's it's a cross between a hostel and a capsule hotel and each of the capsules mm. is inside a bookshelf. So if you look online just right. like book and bed Tokyo. I think my friend Aki, Aki dearest might have gone there possibly. Um, but if you like reading, you like books, and you want to sleep inside a bookshelf, book and bed. Um, book and bed aside, there's lots of options. You know, you've got robot hotels, which are a little bit tacky, I think. They're kind of fun for one night, but you got to try it. Love hotels. If you get a good love hotel, it can be amazing. My first love hotel in Osaka had a cage in it. Oh, I love that cage. Um, <laughs> there was a love hotel with monkey bars in the video last year. I think one night in love hotel can't be underestimated. Um, and staying at a traditional inn is it is it, it's a pricey thing to do. Typically, it can be about four hundred dollars for per night at a good traditional Japanese uh, ryokan. But it does come with a phenomenal meal. Usually, you go, usually get like a kind of three or four course meal, um, and that is half the reason it's so expensive. What about you, Pete? Any standout accommodation? Any places you kind of love to stay or recommend? Just go to a weird uh, Airbnb. There's loads of weird, weird places in Airbnb. It's usually weird kind of Airbnb. like there's host. I've stayed in hostels in Kyoto uh, where I've had a whole room to myself with like sixty million tatami mats. I've uh, stayed in like hostels all around. Not hostels. Um, stayed in little Airbnbs all around um, Shibuya. Pretty much all around uh, Tokyo, all around uh, Japan. To be fair, uh, there's always weird places uh, to stay. Mm. And uh, yeah, they've always got a little bit of character. Um, when I was staying in, um, was it Sapporo? No, I think it would have been. Fukuoka. I was in Fukuoka last last trip, and I stayed in a hotel called I think it was Hotel Beer, and it was basically a really cheap old um, kind of uh, housing complex um, that, that that basically um, you could rent out uh, by the day. It was very very affordable, um, but every day they'd give you a little voucher for a, for a pint of beer, which is nice. Aww, that's lovely. Lovely. Simply lovely. Do you drink I beer? Mean... She asked, and I said, "Yes, I do." <laughs> Have a bonus voucher. I mean, that's that's really nice. Um, I on Jelly Across Japan, the season we've just finished filming, we stayed in an Alpine lodge in Toyama. It was a really really nice lodge, really big. Um and also we stayed in a capsule hotel inside a shipping container, which was a lot of fun. And uh and it had a hammock bonus and ten capsules and we could choose. Joey and I get to kind of choose which capsule we wanted to sleep in and we chose the the furthest capsules away from each other that we could. Can't go wrong though. Capsule hotel <laughs> nice. and a shipping container. I like that um, a lot got one here from melanie do you want to do you want to take the final one pete as i take the final, take swig the final of one yeah from melanie's coffee uh melanie from uh, new jersey recently graduated from college my family friends and i were planning to do a trip to japan in may 2020 after graduation but sadly got cancelled due to covid19 uh, i'm hoping we can all go next year around the same time i've been watching the abroad japan youtube channel never heard of it and podcast never heard of it um but haven't heard uh, much about how to pack for a trip for, for to japan i tend to overpack for every single trip but have concerns about how much to bring for a two-week trip do you have any guys have any uh, packing tips for a first-time traveler to japan thank you guys in advance and hope you both stay uh, stay safe and healthy i can barely speak melanie i've clearly lost that particular um fight um yeah would you do, are you a, what are you like when it comes to uh when it comes to packing i've not really experienced um how many um suitcases you would take chris i'm a very very light packer i am a dreadful packer i kind of just right. throw everything in a bag and i'm like right let's go i'm so bad at using space I'm really crap at it. It's like right. a disability or something on my part. Like I'm just rubbish at packing. It's really quite bad. But I would say what I found with Journey Across Japan is um, we had to take a lot of stuff. 
and we had a lot of I had a lot of clothes, but there are a lot of um, coin laundry places around the country. So don't bring clothes for every day. Just uh, just remember, there's lots of coin laundry around, and you can take half the clothes you need and just wash them halfway through the trip. Is that packing advice? I don't know. Well, that's my yeah, tip. I, you can get, you can, especially if you're in an Airbnb, there's usually a, uh, a fairly decent washer dryer um, in pretty much every um, small Japanese apartment. But, you know, just look on your Airbnb listing and you'll find, no doubt, there'll they'll be one in the building. Um, and also there's coin, laund- coin laund- laundries everywhere. So, uh, yeah, just pack really, really light and then just, you know, do some washing halfway through the trip. I... I don't know, when you messed it up though, I think you said con laundry, and I just pictured this like con, con man conning people with <laughs> the coin laundry. Con laundry. Well, a dog just ju- a dog just jumped on my lap, and I was trying to deal with that and a hot, a hot uh, cup of coffee. Fantastic. <laughs> and on that note, uh, keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to Born Japan Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back to do it over again on Wednesday. But for now, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, we'll see you then. Have a good one, guys. All the best. Rough, rough. <laughs> this was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. 